Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You would have $5.5 million in your investment accounts. And you can't forget that an index fund doesn't need a roof. An index fund doesn't need an HVAC. An index fund doesn't have HOA fees or a freaking lawn that you have to mow. All right, y'all. Today on the show, we are talking about buying versus renting. And I have a few goals that I want to accomplish in today's episode. One is I want to dispel the myth that buying is always better. I don't know if this is true in other places outside of the U.S., but at least in the U.S., the idea of home ownership is deeply baked in to the myth of the American dream, which is that to be financially successful or independent or wealthy or whatever the word is, home ownership is a part of that equation. The other thing I want to help you do is make a better decision about whether or not to rent or buy. Some people firmly will die on the hill that home ownership is always the way to go. Other people will die on the hill that renting is always the better way to go. And I'm not going to die in either one of those hills personally, because I think one, it depends on just things that you want or don't want in your living situation. And it's also hyper local. So I am going to talk about some economic trends and where I think some things are going in terms of home prices and rental prices. But you have to remember that I can't possibly speak to every single locality in the U.S., let alone the rest of the world, because literally what's going on in my neighborhood is going to be different than what's going on in a neighborhood three miles down the road. So while some of the data may or may not be reflective of what's going on in your area, I do want you to still listen and to use the information so that you can be a more informed buyer or renter. So for example, I posted a video a few, gosh, by the time this comes out, a few days ago, a few weeks ago, I can't remember. (laughs) It's all blurred together now. A few weeks ago, I think, about how home ownership may or may not be the best idea. And of course, like a lot of people in the comments are like, best investment, and we're going to talk about why it's not the best investment, in my humble opinion. 
But someone then in the comments said, I wish I knew this before I bought my house. I feel like I was duped. And she called her house a big money pit. And it's just not allowing her to really ever get ahead because every time she wants to invest some money or build her emergency fund, something breaks in her house. And so that's getting to a little bit of a hint as to why the rent versus mortgage equation isn't a fair look at whether or not renting or buying is the right choice for you. First, let's just look at what's going on in the economy. And listen, unless you live under a rock, you probably know that home prices are extremely high right now, as are rents. According to some numbers that are coming out from Zillow, I'll put that link in the show notes, rent is beginning to ease a little bit. And I can see the rent easing also in my own townhouse community where I'm at. Of course, again, that is certainly a microcosm. And then right now, also, home prices are really high. And what's interesting is over the past year and a half or so, the Fed has been increasing interest rates. And just to give you a quick little economic lesson, the reason why the Fed has been increasing interest rates is because they want to make borrowing more expensive. So after the pandemic, or as a result of the pandemic, I should say, people had a lot of cash. One, people had cash because of the COVID checks people were getting. Also, people who had higher earning jobs were just sitting at home, literally collecting cash and not spending that going out to eat or on vacations. And so people just had a lot of cash. And when people have a lot of cash, inflation goes up. That's why when there's a recession, for example, you can't just print money and like hand it out because it'll cause crazy inflation, which will create a whole bunch of other problems. So you have to do some more strategic and slow burn kind of ways to right the economy. Anyways, inflation was really high. And what the Fed can do is they can increase interest rates, which makes it more expensive to borrow money. And this can affect a lot of different people and entities in different ways. For example, if you're a person and interest rates go up, you might be less inclined to buy a house or purchase a car. And interest rates really do make a difference. Just to give you an idea Right now, mortgage interest rates are about 8%. Let's say you wanted to take out a mortgage for $300,000 at today's rates. You're going to end up paying about $2,300 in your mortgage every single month. Now, let's say you're able to have gotten an interest rate when rates were much lower, let's say 3%, you would be paying only $1,300 a month. Just a five-point difference in your interest rate will almost double your payment. So if payments are that much higher with higher interest rates, more people will be like, eh, I don't want to go buy a house or I don't want to go buy a car or I don't want to do anything that will require me to borrow money because that's really expensive. And so that creates less economic activity and that will hopefully, the Fed is hoping, (laughs) will cool down the economy, bringing down inflation. And this can happen at the business level as well. If money is really cheap to borrow, businesses have much more incentive to borrow money to expand. And expanding will almost certainly drive employment because they will need people to build whatever they're going to build or do whatever job that they want this person now to do and whatever kind of business they're expanding. But again, if interest rates are really high, 
there's going to be just a lot less desire on their end to borrow a lot of money to expand their businesses and start hiring people because interest rates are so high, it's much more expensive for them. All of this is done to cool down what was a hot economy as a result of what happened during the pandemic. Now, generally, when interest rates go up, it will drive home prices down. And again, that's because when you're looking at if you can afford a house or not, you're not looking at the house as like, oh, this house costs $500,000. I can afford that house or I can't afford that house. You have to look at what the monthly payment will end up being. So remember, just a five point difference on your interest rate can almost double what you're going to be paying every single month. Let's say your budget really is around that $1,500 mark, but interest rates are 8%. That means you can't take out a $300,000 mortgage. You can only take take out a $200,000 mortgage. So this will typically drive down home prices. Now, this is a really weird and unique time in US economic history where home prices have been historically high and interest rates have been climbing up to an over 20 year high as well. And the reasons for those, I'm not going to get too much into that because again, that could be a whole podcast episode, but there's a few reasons. One is that overall in the United States, there is just a shortage of housing. Part of that is because there's been a lack of investment in construction and building new places. Another reason is political. This is actually a huge problem in California, for example, where local municipalities are voting against changing to the zoning laws, which will allow multi-unit buildings because someone living in a $5 million house in California, for example, doesn't want an apartment down the street because that drives down their value. Do you see what I'm saying? So zoning laws are bad. There's just a lack of investment. And also big corporations have been coming into neighborhoods and scooping up all of the houses there and then renting them out. There is a fascinating article in the New York Times a few weeks ago. I will put it in the show notes that you can read if you want to dive more into it. But basically, it is deep diving into this neighborhood in Charlotte, North Carolina, which used to be very average middle income neighborhood. People loved the neighborhood. And now a lot of the old owners that have been there for a while are really upset because there's companies like Zillow and Redfin and and things like that who are coming in and scooping up a dozen, a couple dozen houses and then renting them out. Some people are upset because renting versus buying will have different feel of a neighborhood. I think there's a little bit of issue in that belief. But what it definitely has done that you can't argue against is that it's driven home costs way up because these corporations can pay for a house in cash or overpay. Because of this, I don't see home prices coming down anytime soon. I think the best that we can hope for in the next five-ish years, maybe more, is that home prices will begin to meet what inflation would be. Inflation goes up two to three percent every single year. So right now home prices are high, but maybe in five years or so, if they stay relatively steady and inflation can get back down to two or three percent every year, then inflation will catch up and then the home prices will just feel as they should be as opposed to like really, really high, if that makes sense. I think that's probably the best we can hope for. 
Now, some people think that when the Fed starts lowering interest rates, that the home prices will soar. And I don't know if that's totally true. And I think Mandy last week on the podcast was insinuating that because she said she had a whole spreadsheet of people that are waiting for interest rates to go down before they buy. And I I totally believe that's true, but I also think there's going to be a lot more people selling as well when interest rates go down because people might be locked into a 3 or 4% mortgage rate and they don't want to go anywhere because interest rates are so high. So I do think it will create an influx of buyers when interest rates go down, but I also think there will be an influx of sellers when interest rates go down as well. And the question is, which team will be bigger, so to speak? that will be a determinant as to whether or not home prices will steady or go up or go down. The other thing to keep in mind, though, is if there's still a housing shortage, if the zoning laws haven't significantly changed, and if corporations are still scooping up entire neighborhoods, none of that is going to lend towards the idea that home prices are going to go down. Again, I think the best we can hope for is that inflation will just eventually meet where home prices are and they'll stay relatively steady. Now, rents have risen too, some for the similar reasons and also some for different reasons. Things like inflation, lack of inventory, so this is the zoning, a desire to live alone, and also a shifting workforce. You could probably actually get a decent rent in the middle of New York City right now or San Francisco, whereas in places in the suburbs or like smaller towns or medium-sized cities. These are places that people want to live in now that they have more work flexibility or remote options. Again, I don't see rent going down too much. I have seen just again in my own neighborhood it going down a little bit, but I think it's going to hold relatively steady. And again, we will have to just hope that it'll hold steady long enough for inflation to catch up with the price of renting or buying. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Veronica. Did you know I work with clients privately to help them make over their finances from top to bottom? Over six weeks, we start with your money goals and then I help you create a plan to pay off debt if you have and then find a perfect balance between saving and investing while also enjoying life now. Pennies aren't meant to be pinched, but they are meant to have a purpose. By creating a plan and being intentional with your money, I'll bet you can afford a lot more in your life than you think you can now while also securing your financial future. Learn more and book your Run Your Money Roadmap with me over at veronicagrant.com forward slash work with me. Now back to the show. The question is, if you need to move or you're considering buying, is it better to rent or is it better to buy? Listen, they're both shit sandwiches right now. And if you're like, wait, what did she say? Yes, I said it. I said shit sandwiches. Neither options are great right now. And I don't think that's always been true in the last 20 to 30 years or so. But right now, just neither one of them are great. Renting is a lot of money right now. And buying a home is a lot of money right now. And if you buy a home right now, there's a chance that you're buying a home at an inflated price and you might end up losing money on it if the housing market does go down or levels out, or it might take some time for it to build some appreciation if the price of the home is so far ahead of inflation and it takes some time for inflation to catch up to it. Not to mention interest rates are really high. And like I said, interest rates can double 
what you can expect to pay every month on your mortgage. If you bought your home a couple years ago, you were sitting pretty right now. And I would probably do everything I can to stay. And that is why we are still in our townhouse. It's a two bedroom townhouse and I work from home and my husband works from home. And yet we just haven't really been, I mean, we want to move, we want a yard, we have two kids, we want more space, but it's really hard to give it up because of the interest rate and just the price of everything. And so we are just staying put for now until we find something that we feel is more worth it, to be honest. So that's what we're doing. But I just want to talk generally about renting versus buying, because I think people just assume that buying is better because at the end of the day, you have something to show for it. First, if you're only looking at the price of a rent versus the potential price of a mortgage, then you might be a little frustrated if you decide to go the mortgage route. Over the last 15, 20 years or so, rents tend to have been higher than buying, which means like if you're looking for a rental and your budget, let's say is $2,500. And then let's say you were looking on Zillow for a rental and you toggled over to the for sale and you started messing around there, you might have found that you could buy either a comparable place to what you wanted to rent or even a better place than what you wanted to rent for a monthly mortgage payment that was less than your rent. And you might be thinking, what the hell am I doing? I'm actually buying something. This will be mine. And it's less than the rent. And in some cases, that might have been the best financial decision. But I think a lot of people really don't understand what it means to be a homeowner. So first, when you want to buy a home, you need to have cash down in most cases. And I strongly, strongly recommend having 20% of whatever home you want to buy in the bank. And this is not money that you need elsewhere, like an emergency fund. This is cash that is in addition to emergency funds or any other cash that you might need. I strongly recommend putting 20% down on a house to buy because if you don't, then a few things can happen. One, you're going to pay PMI, which is basically mortgage insurance, and it can be a couple hundred dollars a month because anytime you own less than 20% of your house, it's a little bit more of a risky bet from the bank's perspective. And so they're going to want some insurance. That's automatically a couple hundred dollars a month. The other thing is that if you need to take a loan out against your house, or if you want to refinance your house, you need to generally own 20% of the house. So let's say you want to buy a house and then you want to take a HELOC, which is basically a home equity line of credit out to, I don't know, do your kitchen or your bathroom or something like that. If you only own 15% of the house, you can't do that. If you're going to take Mandy's advice, for example, from last week's episode and buy a house now, and let's say you don't put a lot down and you're thinking, hey, I'm just going to refinance in a couple of years. Well, if you only own eight to 10 or whatever percentage of your house and not that 20%, you can't refinance. So you're in a little bit of a financially risky spot if you don't own 20% of your house. However, I know plenty of people have put less down on their house and are totally fine. I still think you need to have about 20% of the home's value in your bank account because 
Owning a home is expensive. If you are only looking at the rent versus mortgage equation, then it's like you're trying to solve for an algebraic equation, but like you literally can't see all of the numbers because they're covered up by a piece of paper. I don't know. That's not a great analogy, but you know what I mean. There are other numbers involved. So aside from the down payment, and yes, there's going to be closing costs, which Mandy talked a little bit about in last week's episode. So make sure you listen to that if you haven't already. But there's just the cost of owning a home. If you're a renter and let's say your refrigerator just breaks, you can call your landlord and say, hey, landlord, the refrigerator broke and they're going to send someone over to fix it or they're going to buy you a new refrigerator. If your refrigerator breaks as a homeowner, you are going to have to pay someone probably to come look at it first. And then you're going to have to decide, do I want to fix it? Do I want to buy a new one? And it just not only is it time and energy, but all of that costs money. To have someone come and just look at something is almost certainly going to cost you at least $150 just to look at it. Not even to fix it, not including parts, nothing like that. My husband's an engineer and he can fix things and all that kind of stuff. And I always say if I wasn't married to someone like him, and this is not like a male female thing because I have plenty of heterosexual married friends where neither one of them (laughs) I would trust with a screwdriver or a hammer, but he has saved us thousands and I'm not exaggerating thousands of dollars when it comes to being a homeowner because he just knows the stuff. He likes it. He's good at it. He has fixed our dryer multiple times. He has fixed our oven multiple times, our dishwasher multiple times. And if there's something that doesn't sound right or seem right, he can usually nip things in the bud if he does need to call someone to have him come look at it so that it's like a $500 thing versus a $5,000 thing. So if you do want to buy a home, again, you need to have cash set aside so that you can have money for routine maintenance. And I wouldn't even say emergencies because at some point you're going to have to replace the HVAC. At some point you're going to have to replace the roof. At some point there will be a leaky pipe and it can feel like an emergency. But when it comes to home ownership, it's not an emergency. It's just part of being a home owner. So if buying a house is going. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST to wipe you of cash or it's going to take away from you being able to invest, then I don't think it's worth it. And I would say that's even true in today's economy. Again, choosing to rent or choosing to buy right now, it's not great. You're sitting pretty if you've already bought a few years ago, but if you're in a spot where I need to decide, neither situation is super great 
right now. However, I don't think buying is the way to go because of how expensive everything is right now. And this leads me to the next false assumption or myth that is baked into the American dream, which is that home ownership is the best investment you can make. And I just don't think that's true. So first of all, when you own a home, it does not matter how much that home is worth. Homes are very illiquid, right? When you invest in the stock market and you buy an index fund, for example, Technically, it's not really cash as if like it were cash sitting in a savings account, but it's far more liquid than your home. If you really needed that money in that index fund, you could go sell the index fund, withdraw the money, and then boom, you have cash and you could sell all your investments or you could sell 10% of your investments. That is not true with your house. You can't just be like, "Uh, I need a little bit of money out of my house. Now, of course, you can take a home equity line of credit, but that is taking a loan out. That is not just cashing out on your investment. But for the most part, you can't just decide to sell 10% of your house because you need a little bit of cash. It's a very illiquid thing. So how much it's worth doesn't really matter until you go to sell it. And a lot of times when people sell it is towards the end of their career, perhaps beginning of retirement when maybe you want to move to Florida or (laughs) downsize, things like that. And that's really the only time when the value of it really matters. And just because of normal inflation, you will almost have certainly earned some equity on the house, but it's not really as much as you think. So let's look at that. If you are new to paying attention to your money or housing prices, things like that, then you are looking at a period in U.S. history that is very, very, very atypical. This is not normal, okay? My husband and I bought our townhouse in 2020, and it was before things started going up. It was like literally the last second. Like We got really lucky with this place. We bought our townhouse for $155,000, if my memory serves me correctly, a townhouse a few doors down, which is the exact layout as ours. And after we finish fixing up the kitchen, ours will probably be nicer than that one. Sold for $340,000 last month. Now, this is bonkers. Absolute bonkers. Our home price has doubled. So we are sitting well if we do decide to just bite the bullet, sell, and then buy another overpriced house. Because honestly, I love our townhouse. I'm not sure I would have spent $340,000 on it, but clearly some people are or need to, whatever the situation. My point is our home has doubled since 2020. And if you bought a home around 2020, 2019, there's a good chance that you're sitting really pretty like that as well. However, this is not normal. This is not normal and this is not sustainable and it will not last forever. So I don't want you to think, oh man, I need to get in now so that I can get that 20% or 30% increase on my investment. It's just not a normal thing to happen. I'm not saying it's not going to. I don't have a crystal ball, but statistically, it's probably not likely. Since 1991, the average annual home price increase was only 4.3%. So if you consider that inflation is somewhere between 2 and 3% on average, that means the real annual home price increase is closer to 1% to 2%. 
that's not really super great. Now, if you're just living in a house and you're living there for 30 years and you go to sell it, yeah, you will have made some money because you are getting that one to two percent increase. Whenever I say real, I mean the home price increase minus inflation. Let's say you have a $500,000 house, 2% home price increase would be $510,000 the next year. And then it's compounded. So it's going to be 2% of 510 as opposed to 2% of 500. So that would be 520,200 and so on. So yeah, you will earn money. You'll go to sell and you'll have a nice little nest egg either for yourself to downsize and retire with or to pass down to your children. However, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that the stock market does a lot better than 4.3%. The stock market since 1926 has an average rate of return of about 9%. So let's do a little bit of math. Let's say you have a $500,000 house and we're going to give it a 2% rate of return. And again, that's 4%. That's average for home price increases minus two to three percent for inflation. I'm being generous here. Then in 30 years, your $500,000 house would be worth about $910,000. Not too shabby. Now, instead, let's say you put that $500,000 into an index fund that tracks the S&P 500. Since the 1940s, the S&P 500 has increased year over year on average 10.14%. But let's take out that inflation number. So that would be about 8%, which means that $500,000, 30 years later, you didn't add another penny to it, just standard compound interest. You would have $5.5 million in your investment accounts. And you can't forget that an index fund doesn't need a roof. An index fund doesn't need an HVAC. An index fund doesn't have... HOA fees or freaking lawn that you have to mow. You're only turning a $500,000 house based on historical numbers into a $900,000 house. You had to probably buy that house a roof. You probably had to do the floors at some point, maybe fix the bathroom, maybe fix the kitchen, all of these things. And I understand some of those things are just upgrades that you want. You want a new kitchen. Okay, fine. But some things you're going to have to replace when you live in a house for a long time and that costs money. When you put $500,000 into the stock market and you just let it sit in an index fund, you're only going to pay less than 0.1% of that money to fees that you'll owe the brokerage firm for, you know, hosting that account for you. So the idea that houses are the best investment is just not true. It's just not true. The stock market does better and again, yes, if you bought a house in 2019, 2020, then you were lucky. I know I am really lucky. We feel so grateful that we just happened to see this place. We were actually looking for a place to rent. And we did that thing where we just toggled over to see like, what's for sale? And we saw this place. We went in, we saw it, love at first sight. And we closed a month later. It went really fast. And I feel incredibly lucky. We both feel incredibly lucky, even though, yes, we would love to be in a bigger house with our two kids. We know that financially we're going to make it out pretty with this place. But this is not replicable. 
One thing that I've talked a lot about in the investing episodes that I did earlier this year is that what feels like a unicorn and what feels like luck. And this neighborhood is definitely a unicorn that we live in. And it was just luck. If we had gone house shopping just a couple months later, this deal would not have existed because home prices were already going up at that point. Now, I do want to acknowledge that historically, home prices have been increasing at a larger rate. Since 1991, as I said, the average annual home price increase was 4.3%. And then since 2000, that number ticked up to 4.7%. Since 2012, that average annual home price increase has been 7.7%. Now you have to remember when you're thinking about your personal finances, you always want to have the number 7% in mind because 7% is about what you can expect to get back from the stock market on average after inflation, right? The stock market will return somewhere between 8 to 10%, but you minus 2 to 3 points for inflation. So 7% is a pretty safe conservative bet. A couple things. One, 7.7% is great. However, you still have to subtract inflation, which is 2 to 3%. So that still gets you down to that 4 to 5%. So it's, houses are still not beating the market, even though the 2010s saw a lot of growth in home prices. And again, home price, homes still need roofs and still need HVACs, all that kind of fun stuff. And second, the reason why home prices soared in the 2010s, and this is in addition to what I talked about earlier, which is companies coming in and scooping up neighborhoods and lack of housing, things like that, certainly lead to higher home prices. We need to go back to a little thing called the Great Recession happened in 2008. It was a huge recession. As a result of that, the Fed just kept lowering interest rates, lowering interest rates, lowering interest rates so that they could encourage people to buy things like homes and cars, and they could encourage businesses to expand their businesses by hiring more people because it was so cheap to borrow money. And the economy was hurting. If you remember the job losses for the several years after 2008, it was bad. It was horrible. Maybe you experienced that. So the Fed took drastic measures to reverse the economy so that it could start growing again. And one way that it did that is lowering interest rates, lowering interest rates, lowering interest rates. And what does that do? It causes home prices to go up. Now, in my episode last week with Mandy, she predicted that we will never see interest rates that low again. And I think she might be right. I mean, honestly, I have no idea. She'll know that kind of stuff much better than I will. But I see where she's coming from because part of what created a really hot economy during COVID was basically it being free to borrow money. And that could be a whole other podcast episode because that created all sorts of issues coming out of Silicon Valley and overvaluation, things like that. So I could see how she's probably right there. That's a pretty safe bet that interest rates won't be that low again. But I think that was probably what was causing a lot of the home prices to spike in the 2010s. And so if she's right, and that interest rates will go down again once our economy cools off, but may not go down to that 2 or 3% level again, what that would insinuate is that we're not going to see that kind of home price growth the way we did in the 2010s because the interest rates aren't going to be basically zero the way they were before. 
I just want to leave you with this. I was telling my husband about this episode that I was going to record. And I've mentioned a couple times he has been doing real estate investing for way longer than I've known him. And I was telling him about this episode. And one thing that he said was, oh, the house you buy to live in is never an investment. (laughs) It's just not. Listen, if you are a high earner, and or you have a lot of cash sitting in the bank and can afford a reasonable down payment and have some cash for repairs and maintenance, etc. And you can afford that higher payment because of the high interest right now. And you also have money going into your Roth or your 401k or other investments, then by all means. I'm not saying home ownership is bad. I think there's a lot to be said, at least in terms of your well-being for knowing that this is where you live. This is your home. You can have the walls be whatever color you want. You can do your kitchen. You know that this is where you're going to live, especially if you have kids. There's a huge incentive to want to buy a home and have stability around that. But that's just what it is. It's a preference and it's stability. It's not necessarily a better financial decision. If you're in a place where I could buy a home, but it would take all my cash and or it would take you away from investing more heavily into either your 401k or your Roth, I do not think buying a home is a smart idea because it's not the investment that you think it is. And I would hate for you to be like this TikTok commenter that I had where she can't really even get a grip on her investing because every two seconds, it feels like there's just another thing she has to spend money on. So ask yourself this question. If spending $150 to have someone come look at something that's not working, how does it make you feel? Now, of course, no one just likes to throw away $150. I get it. (laughs) Or feel like you're throwing it away. I get it. But how does that feel? Does it feel stressful? Does it feel like, oh, well, I guess I can't put more money into my emergency fund, or I can't put more money into my Roth if I'm doing that. If that's more of where you are, then you're going to be better off renting and either continuing to save save for a home or just not even really worry about it and just know that your money is doing far bigger and better things invested in a low cost index fund. This is where some people might say, well, renting is just throwing away your money. Here's what I say to that. Number one, There's always going to be a cost of living, regardless of whether or not you rent or buy. It's just a cost of being a human. And I want you to look at this equation differently. Rather than thinking, oh, I'm just throwing away my money or paying off my landlord's mortgage, I want you to think of it as, well, I'm going to pay this rent to my landlord. And yes, it's money that I'm never going to get back. I'm never going to see it again in my life but you're not spending money on repairs or maintenance or real estate taxes, etc. And that gives you more cash to then invest in things like index funds that will give you a far greater rate of return than your home. And also, while it can be very fun and exciting to paint your walls in your house or pick out new tiles for your bathroom, It will definitely feel like you're throwing away money when you have to do your roof or when you have to buy a new HVAC. All of these expenses are going to cost you thousands of dollars, but no one is going to know that you spent that money when they walk into your house. So the idea that renting is throwing away your money, 
there's always an expense to just being a person in this society and having some sort of roof over your head. And also you are going to be quote unquote, throwing away money as a homeowner as well. I want to wrap up this episode with two things. Even though I do think that in general, renting has the edge in this economy. Of course, this can change as things change. However, I do think in general, there is one edge that renting has over buying, and then there is one edge that buying has over renting. So I've been talking about it. The obvious edge that renting has over buying is that what you pay on your rent is what you pay. Now, the one edge that buying has over renting is that when you buy your home, you are locked in to your monthly mortgage payment. So for example, our monthly mortgage payment is about $1,600. Now that does also include our HOA fee. And in 20 years, I'm still going to be paying $1,600. And that just seems like it's almost free (laughs) at that point, right? Even in today's economy, $1,600 seems great. Although even just a few years ago, before things really went out of control, $1,600 was very normal, very average. When we were looking for a rental, we were looking in the low 2000s. And so to find an all-in mortgage of around $1,600 was pretty normal. But in today's economy, $1,600 seems like a great price. And then in 20 years, I can imagine it's going to be even a greater price. So even if you are paying a little more than you would like to in your mortgage right now, let's say you're paying $3,000, it seems like a lot now. But as inflation kicks in every single year, in 10, 15, 20 years, $3,000 isn't going to seem so bad. But your rent is going to go up every single year. So I'm not here to say renting's better. I'm not here to say buying a house is better. I do think in this economy, renting probably has the edge, but this is going to be very dependent on where you live, how much money you make, and also what you want. You might know that it's going to cost you more money to buy and it might hurt your ability to invest or have money for other things in your life, but you really just want that stability either for yourself or for your kids. And that's totally fine. It's just important to know why you're making the decisions that you're making and just aren't going towards the default of rent bad, buy good, because it's really, really more complex than that. All right, next week is Thanksgiving week here in the US, and you might be traveling to see family, and that can bring up a lot and be quite stressful. And part of what can create some stress is differences around money. The way your parents talked about money or treated money or didn't talk about money has a huge impact on how you now relate to money as an adult. And while we can talk about investing and saving and doing all the right things, if you still have some trauma around money or a deep discomfort or something else around money as a result of your childhood or what you were taught about money, then that's going to have an impact on your bottom line. So I brought on a financial therapist to talk through all of those things, as well as giving you some tips to navigate some potential money boundaries that might come up with seeing family over the holidays. So make sure you tune in and I'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Your Money Show. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss a new episode. And hey, before you leave, can you do me a quick favor? Please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. It takes just a few seconds for you, and it helps me enormously to get this show out in front of more women just like you. Thank you so much. You can find show notes, transcripts, free resources, and info on how to work with me at veronicagrant.com. See you next episode.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.